welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Man, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's weeks. What is this week? Six or seven? I, to be honest with you, I kind of forgot. I'm old. Time gets away from me now. <laughs> We're up to week seven already. Damn, I can't believe it. Week seven, and it's it's been kind of a weird season. I mean, like obviously we've had a lot more to talk about than just football on our recent episodes of the Old Family Hour here, and uh. But it's been, like, not just, you know, for the protests and, and all the stuff with Trump and all that other crap, but it's been it's been kind of a wild season, huh? Yeah. Um, a lot of teams you think were bad the first couple of weeks, now they kind of look good. Teams you thought were good are kind of falling off. Yeah. And it, it's just hard to, to, you know, know what to make of some of these teams. And then, of course, there's been some injuries that have kind of muddied the waters as well, so... Um. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still not sure who a lot of these teams are, Mm-mm. and that's kind of reflected in my uh, picks for the season so far too. Because I'm doing <laughs> terribly right now. Hey, nobody's really tearing it up. I gotta say, I was going like last week was a bad week for everybody. I done had about three bad weeks in a row, <laughs> and uh, the only thing that's that's kind of keeping me sane right now is the fact that the odd shark is even worse than I am. So <laughs> literally, the computers who, whose only job is to get predictions right is worse than me. So that's the only saving grace I got right now. But I don't have much else to really hang my hat on, man. It, I swear, sometimes I'm, I'm just looking at the end of these games like you gotta be shitting me. It's crazy. I mean. And I, we'll see. I mean, I, who knows what it'll look like when January rolls around. But like, like right, right now, it's just like somebody like if you had to pick the best teams, I honestly, you'd have a hard time finding consensus. Right. A lot of people still don't trust Kansas City. Um, that you know, they just finally lost their first game. Now we don't have any un, unbeated, unbeaten teams uh, heading into Week Seven. That, that's a, l- a little bit early. Earlier than usual, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, those uh, uh, Miami Dolphins got to pop their champagne quite early in the season this year. So, uh, you know, teams like the Falcons, who you just expect to be good, haven't really been playing that well. No, losing games you wouldn't you wouldn't think they'd lose. Now, Aaron Rodgers, who had the Packers looking like the real deal, he's yeah. out probably for the season. So, um, like I said, there's been a lot of curveballs so far. Uh, in the season and just it, it's hard to to really know who's the best team or even who's a good team right now we yeah. thought the bucks were gonna be good what's up with that i i was i was gonna ask you that today my friend <laughs> i don't like they don't seem to be scoring points at quite the rate i thought they would well uh from my perspective uh winston hasn't Hasn't taken that step forward that we all kind of thought he would. He he's not hitting the deep balls, which is a problem when you have uh, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans on your team. You, you know, you, you kind of want to be able to to stretch the field with those guys, and he hasn't really been able to find a connection yet, which is weird because I thought last year he got better throwing the deep ball to Mike Evans, but it's almost like he's going a little bit backwards uh, as far as that goes. Then they've had key injuries. I was just looking at their uh, all 22 on defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as people will, will will say that Adrian Peterson showed that 
he really should have been playing more in in um, New Orleans or what have you. It, their defense was just terrible last week. Uh, the Bucks, and, and again, uh, you fire uh, Lovey Smith a couple years ago, thinking that. Dirk Cotter is going to take this team to the next level and he's going to get Jameis Wright, <laughs> bring in Mike Smith, and they're going to fix this defense. And I got to say, man, this team looks eerily similar to the previous two or three years. So um, <laughs> Jameis got hurt last week, and so we got to see Ryan Fitzpatrick again. <laughs> Our good old buddy managed to throw a couple interceptions along with three touchdowns, but he's always going to throw the ball to the other team, and, and that's what you know. Yep. But they elected to go with a guy like Fitzpatrick as a backup, and so they have to kind of live with that. Yep. But uh, this, team, this team overall just isn't as good as people thought it was going to be. No. no, not at all. And I think, too, you know, it's it sets up an interesting dynamic in that division now, because Carolina's been looking pretty good. They lost last week, obviously, but um, – I think the the real surprise in that division maybe to me is the Saints. And, and I mean, you know that, the, yeah, the, I, I'm not surprised they're scoring points. That's to be expected. But, like, they kind of have it. Like, I don't want to jinx it if you're a Saints fan, but they kind of have a defense now. Right. And I know some people look at the score from last week and, yeah. and think the defense was, was, was kind of going backwards again. But really – a lot of those scores were uh, the Saints turning the football over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the score against the Lions was was quite deceiving. When you look at the film, uh, Detroit didn't really score many points until the second half. And like I said, a lot of that was set up off of uh, Saints turnovers. So yeah. that defense, it just looks competent now. It doesn't look dominant. It doesn't look dominant. It has, uh, you know, a play here, a play there where they, they make a big play. But more than anything else, the problem in previous years is that the defense just looked disorganized. They were a whole bunch of busts in the secondary. Didn't seem like they could stop the run. Now it's just it's a matter of more so than the big plays, guys are making the every everyday ordinary routine plays. Yeah. And, th- and that's how you get to have a good defense. Maybe not a great defense, but – when you have Drew Brees and, and you have Sean Payton and you know that offense can score points, all you really need is a competent defense, and it looks like they finally have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you do the fundamentals well, you know? I mean, I'm not a coach, but <laughs> it's uh, if you have your assignments and you execute, things tend to work out better. Like, even the secondary, too. I mean, like, that's been a much better pair of cornerbacks back there I think than you you know even to start the, in week one of the season than you would have looked back there and, and thought they would be and that's with a rookie I mean that's a talented rookie with Lattimore but you know it's a young group yeah but as much as anything like I said uh, um, as much as you'll focus on the individual play and Lattimore has been playing well it's just about overall just everybody being more disciplined. Yeah. They don't have all of those penalties anymore either. Yeah. You know, that used to be a big problem for them. Everybody's just playing more disciplined. They're just doing their job. Yeah. And once you buy in like that as a defense, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, all pro, pro bowl type players at every position. If you have 11 guys playing together on defense, you give yourself a chance no matter what your talent level. But then when you do – 
add the talent, that's when you'll start to become dominant. So if they can continue playing like this, you know, next year and the year after, and they just add a little bit more talent, you might actually see a dominant defense in the quarters for a change. Yeah. But for now, like I said, I, I think they'll just be happy with competence, just just guys <laughs> doing their job and making the routine play. Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I think it takes like it's like a. It's like a. It's like when you get sick with a cold or something. It's. It takes a while to filter the Rob Ryan, Rex Ryan, Jeff Fisher, the Buddy Ryan coaching tree out of your system. And get and get back to <laughs> get back to competence. <laughs> right, and I honestly didn't think it would be Dennis Allen either. To be no, honest, I, I, either. I, I wasn't much of a fan. But like I said, I'm not saying he's making these super duper great calls. But the one thing he has done, I give him props for this. He's gotten guys to play their position, to play their role, and not try to do too much, and not try to do somebody else's job. Yeah, just be disciplined and do their own job. And cut down on the stupid penalties, and, yeah. and that in and of itself has made that that defense a lot better. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you mentioned it earlier, and I guess it's kind of a uh, it's hard to. I mean, it feels like the the season, the way the season moves, it feels like it was weeks ago already. But we're still, uh, we still. The loss of Aaron Rodgers, that's kind of a blow for the NFL. I mean, the NFL in general, because he's obviously, you know, one of the few players that's kind of head and shoulders above so many others. But he's also, you know, one of the more exciting players to watch. And it also puts a lot of chaos into not just the NFC North, but the entire NFC right now. And doesn't sound like he's going to be back this season either. Yeah, broken collarbone or what have you. I just don't see him coming back this season. Uh, I don't see a way that he could do that. And so um, you're looking at playing the rest of the season with um, Brett Hundley, who's in his, uh, what, second year, third year? Third. Uh, third year out of U- UCLA. But, of course, he really hasn't had any time to play up until now because we're, we're just used to seeing Aaron Rodgers out yeah. there every week. Um, but he did some decent things, I thought, coming in for for Aaron Rodgers. But, see, I was thinking about this earlier, but it it was actually about a defensive player. But it applies to – definitely applies to a guy like Aaron Rodgers as well. You don't have a guy that can make a play, Mm -hmm. right? And you say, okay, well, he he can make most of the throws. Hundley can make most of the throws. He's uh, mobile, and so they have a chance. But a guy like – Aaron Rodgers makes plays that you just can't duplicate. Yeah. And it helps to hide mistakes that other guys can't hide. You you know, there's a different kind of mobility sometimes. Aaron Rodgers, he just can feel the rush sometimes. Some kind of weird way he just knows knows it's coming. And he's able to avoid it. And not only that, most guys will be be happy with that. But then he takes the shot down the field. Yeah. And that's kind of what separates him from everybody else because – uh, not only does he is he able to get out of your mistake, now he makes you pay for it. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure Hundy or really most quarterbacks no. can do that kind of thing. And so when you don't have that, okay, that that goes from okay you scramble and then you get three yards versus uh you know forty yard bomb that, that changes field position. Yeah. And so it it, it doesn't look that like that much difference. 
because you can't see what you're missing at the time. But Aaron Rodgers just brings something to the table that you can't quantify, really. He's he's just he knows how to make the plays. He knows the the, the look at uh, the end of the the game against the Cowboys. Who really had any doubt that Aaron Rodgers was gonna was gonna go right down the field yeah. and score, right? And, and that is a hell of a thing. That's a hell of a thing. And so you go from the Packers looking like they could potentially win the Super Bowl to the realization they probably won't make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't. Brett Hundley can play his very best for the rest of this season, and it just won't be the same as having Aaron Rodgers in there. Yeah. So uh, it, it, what that does to the rest of the playoff picture, picture is also going to be interesting as well because that's one team that we were kind of counting on mm-hmm. to be in the playoff race. So who's going to take their place now? Yeah. And that's a good question because, I mean, the NFC North is kind of like, I mean, I defy you to pick the best team in that division because it's hard to say right now. You know what I mean? I mean, like, obviously it's probably the Vikings or the Lions, but, I mean, we've seen kind of two different Lions teams already this season, and I'm not sure quite what to make of the Vikings. And and, and I know Teddy Bridgewater was practicing again this week, but, uh, you know, as far as we know right now, they're still going with Case Keenum. So it's just hard to get a sense of how those either one of those teams are going to are going to play down the rest of the season. And then with the with the Vikings, if if Teddy isn't ready right now, they're just trying to see if he's even going to be active. They got I think what twenty one days now to yeah uh, see if, if if he's actually going to play or if they're going to put him on IR or whatever, but. Um, which is good for him, actually, because that, that means that this season, I think this uh, counts as an accrued season for him, which yeah, was a big yeah. debate for, for, you know, this whole offseason since he was hurt. But, um, you know, what do you do if, if he isn't coming back? Yeah. You just roll with, uh, what is it? Keenum? Keenum for the rest of the season? Because it, it looks like... Uh, Bradford, you just don't know what's going to happen with his knee. I, uh, he yeah. he got that treatment on it that that I don't know how to pronounce it, pronounce it, <laughs> but some kind of weird new treatment for his knee. I saw the other day, but how can you trust that team when you don't know who's going to be playing quarterback week to week? Yeah, um, because I just don't. No matter what, I don't see his knee getting better. Yeah. Like, how can it get better when, you know, football is football? Yeah. Uh, he tried to gut it out. He tried to go out there. I mean, you just – what are you supposed to do when you can't – when you, you your, your body doesn't let you perform? Yeah. So now, you know, every week everybody's going to be one of us. Is it going to be Keenum this week? Is it going to be Bradford? Is he going to come back? It, it, at some point, I think there's got to be nerve-wracking. I, I do think that they're – the favorite for that division now, just because their defense is so good. Yeah. But uh, it takes a toll on you when you have to win 12 to 7 or, you know, uh, 18 to 14 every week. <laughs> that, that, that's hard, man. It, yeah. That's hard on the defense for a full season feeling like they can never let a team score more than, like, 14 points. Yeah. Because your offense just can't get it done. So we'll see. I, I actually think Keenum has probably been playing better than – then maybe we've been giving giving him enough credit for, mm-hmm. but still he's he's not a guy that puts a fear into any defense. No, 
No, and he's one of those quarter. I mean, he's he's kind of that classic backup quarterback too. It's like sometimes he hits his shots, sometimes he doesn't, and it's just you know you don't necessarily you can't bank on any one outcome from play to play, and that always makes it kind of dicey. I, I'll be I don't like they were saying at one point. And I haven't checked in on the latest today because it's one of those things that changes pretty quick. But like that, this latest thing with Bradford could be career threatening. I just don't see how it's not. I mean, the guy tore his ace, the same ACL and the same knee twice in a year. I mean, twelve. I think maybe maybe might have been thirteen months when he was with the Rams, and just like that's devastating in and of itself to do that twice in a year, and then to come back and have more problems with that. I mean, I'd be surprised to if he played in the NFL again, you know? I remember uh, right around uh, whichever week it was, the first, I guess it was week two, when they when they first said that he couldn't go because of his knee. Yeah. And th- somebody reported that he had so much scar tissue in his knee that they couldn't see yeah. what was wrong with it. And it was at that point where I said, yeah. you know what? Maybe it's time, Sam Bradford. Maybe it's time to, to step away. When they're telling you, hey, man, your knee is so fucked up that we can't even see it without actually opening it up and seeing what's going on in there. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> much scar. T- I mean, think about that for a man. Like, yeah. he's walking around like this. He played week one, won a game with that much fucking scar tissue in his knee that you can't look on a machine that is built, literally built. <laughs> To look inside your knee, you can't yeah. look inside his knee and see what's wrong. I just, I mean, that that more so than just football. Just think about the quality of life you're yeah. gonna have after that. Yeah. After football, walking around a a knee that jacked up. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, I mean, I don't know. Can you even fix that? Yeah. No, I know. I just imagine that you get in your forties and fifties with a knee that that's been that damaged, badly damaged. How miserable that must be. I mean, joints are hard. I mean, <laughs> I'm not that old yet, but I'm, you know, I, I know that joints are just for a normal person as you get older in age like that or present their own set of problems. So I can only imagine what it's like to have been dealt those kind of injuries that, that he's dealing with in his knee. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough that I never had a major knee injury or major knee surgery, but Every day I wake up and my knees are popping like popcorn. Yeah. So I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm sitting up here thinking like, whoo. Uh, and, and I'm sure his knee hurts him now just to walk around. Just imagine in 10 years. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. I. So as weird as this is to say, I'm not, I haven't quite, I, like, I don't have a, personally have a problem with the team whatsoever. I, it's not something I feel strongly about in either way but like i think there's probably a pretty good case that the eagles might be the best team in the nfc right now i mean i obviously they have the record for it but oh it, it, i think it's easy to say that because wentz has played so much better yeah. um the early part of this season than he did the last part of last season yeah and i kind of see it that going into this this year is that you know under the radar the, the eagles are really set to take a, a step forward, especially with, with the addition of Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Uh, they got LeGarrette Blunt. Their defense uh, added Derek Barnett through the draft. Darby. Um, Darby, who ended up getting hurt, but he still was a good addition. Yeah. Even on paper, that team looked good. The only question mark was 
how would Wentz kind of bounce back from the second half of last season when he fell off a little bit? Yeah. And the guy, listen, I know that he's a polarizing guy on Twitter for some reason. <laughs> Evidently, he either has to be the best thing since sliced bread or he's got to be the worst fucking quarterback somebody's ever seen. But I, I deal in the gray area, quite honestly. And the guy makes plays, man. The, the, you can say what you want to about this play or that play as far as, oh, he wasn't you know, good with his timing here. His footwork was out there. The motherfucker makes plays. Yeah. Right? You try to sack him, and this dude is hard to tackle. Yeah. yeah. And he's spinning out of there, and he's chunking it up there to to uh, uh, Aguilar or, or, or Alshon Jeffrey, and, and, and it's working. Yeah. And it's working. And LeGarrette Blunt, they had some question marks about him in the preseason. I said – you know, they were kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. They kept trying to run him wide instead of letting him run between the tackles. Now that he's running between the tackles, he's running over people just like we're used to seeing. Yeah. And then they got a guy like Smallwood. They have a bunch of weapons on offense. Uh, the tight end. Uh, Ertz. Ertz. I mean, <laughs> that team, and, and, and like I said, it's all going to come down to wins. This is a small sample size so far, right? But yeah. if he can continue to play this way, this is a team that looks like it's built to win later on in the season, too. They're able to run the football. Yeah. They have big wide receiver like Alshon Jeffrey. You know, you can just throw it throw it up to them. They got a guy like Zach Ertz to move the chains. The defense, we know that they can create turnovers. They get after you up front and really get after your quarterback. Pretty good special teams as well. So, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you look at some weaknesses – there ain't many. That offensive line is mashing the hell out of people right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I was just going to say that line's it's better than it's getting credit for, even, I think. Oh, yeah. They, they, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure uh, Jeff uh, Schwartz has had a lot of their, their blocks on a disrespectful block uh, <laughs> uh, uh, thing that he does every week. I mean, those guys are really getting after it. And so, like I said, now it's going to come down to Wentz in yeah. December and in January. But if he can t- continue to play the way he's playing, it ain't perfect. It ain't always pretty, but it's damn effective. Yeah. I think this team not only can make it to the playoffs, but maybe even make some noise in there this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, they keep playing like this. I mean, I, I guess I wonder a little bit, like, I hope Jeffrey can stay healthy. He's one of those guys that's always been amazing. I mean, when you, back, you go back to his time with the Bears, it always kind of sucked because he was he's a good player. He's fun to watch, but he always kind of had – dealing with injuries here and there and i you know hopefully that they can keep him healthy down the road but they've got a good team even if they do have to play a few games without him right it'll be a a, you can't really replace him but like i said i mean when you get have a zach Ertz, and then you have algalore playing as well as he's playing and i did pick him to be a breakout player so you should have (laughs) known it already i just had to toot my horn on that one but i mean when you got those guys playing that well and then you have the running game working as well as it's been working, you can kind of afford to miss him for a game or two. Of course, if it's a long-term injury, that's going to be a problem. But you might be able to afford to miss him uh, a game or two. I think they've only lost like one game, and that was like to Kansas City on the road, I believe. Yeah. So this is a strong team. They are legit, and yeah. they're playing. You know, they're playing really good football. It's not a fluke. No. So if I had to pick. Uh, the class uh, of the NFC right now, I'm pretty sure I would pick the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and and it's interesting too because then you get like there's that 
what there's one two three four, there's four four and two teams and a whole bunch of three and two teams it's just i mean obviously some of that's just because the season's early but like that's a it's log jam underneath them like that this is a season of mediocrity it seems <sighs> telling just you. to be honest which is just everybody is just okay Yes, yeah. and even a lot of the bad teams aren't necessarily terrible anymore. That's that's a little disconcerting too. You used to <laughs> the, the Patriots and stuff being out there and being the good teams, and the Jaguars being yeah pulling up the rear, and the Jets, and they messed around and won a few games. They got people thinking they almost good or something. Yeah, which they're not. I mean, the Jaguars, we know they got great defense. Fortnite's a beast, but they got that bum at quarterback yeah that they have to keep trying to hide and sooner or later they won't be able to hide them and the same thing for the jets basically so yeah. at the end of the day they still are who they are it's just everybody has kind of regressed to the mean so who's to know who's bad and who's good yeah when everybody's two and two or three and two or two and three yeah yeah it's really hard to tell it's a it's a hell of a season i um so we've got a the super bowl rematch this week and this, to me, sort of, if like if there was a game that summed up the season so far, it's like here's Atlanta and New England, four and two for New England, three and two for Atlanta. Um, neither team, not bad, but not really living up to expectations this year. Right. The the um, Falcons can't seem to score points anymore. The Patriots can't seem to stop anybody no. anymore. Um, and, and that's kind of been a, a the, the story of both team seasons. Uh, when their defense plays relatively well, uh, the Patriots win because Tom Brady, quite frankly, is playing out of his mind right now with with without um, Edelman, with other guys being in and out of the lineup. Yeah, he's just getting it done. But his defense, you know, it uh, the Bucks kind of let their defense off the hook. Um, the defense also got a favorable call last week against Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, but other than that, their defense just isn't that good. It's a personnel issue. It's not something they can scheme and, and make up for uh, for a bunch of guys not really communicate well on the back end either. It's just a whole lot of issues on that side of the football. And so you can't you feel like okay, uh, they've only lost two games, but on film, they don't look like a playoff team. They don't look like a team that can win games in the playoffs this year. Yeah, You just never know, though, because when you have Tom Brady, he continues to show, show us that he always gives you a chance. Yeah, With the Falcons, all of a sudden, they have a new offense coordinator who doesn't seem to understand that you have to throw the ball down the football, <laughs> football field sometimes. Like, you got Julio Jones. What? <laughs> I don't understand, man. People try to make this shit in the rocket science, and it really ain't. When you got Julio Jones, you throw the fucking ball to Julio Jones. Yeah. It, it's not really that hard. And then you're not using Coleman, the backup running back, who's fast as hell. Taylor Gabriel can 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 fly. And you're throwing these five and seven and ten-yard passes all the damn time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you got to take the saddle off the horse. Let them go. Let them yeah. go. You got a thoroughbred and Julio Jones. And he running five and six and seven yards routes. I mean, what's going on here? It's painful. So. You knew there'd be some, I mean, you know, you knew there'd be some 
disruption because of the change in offensive coordinators. But man, like this is, I think, even beyond just sort of like transition, you know? Yeah, and and, and I don't know. I kept saying this though. Uh, confidence is a funny thing, right? Yeah. And so I think that you can convince yourself that you're confident until enough situations happen to show you that maybe you shouldn't be. I think this team could have gotten off to a better start this season. They have the talent, but now that they aren't performing the way they kind of thought they would, do those second thoughts start coming into play from the Super Bowl? Yeah. Because last week they gave up a 17-point lead, mostly because they continued to call plays on offense as if they were down 17, but still, that's a whole nother other story. <laughs> but but yeah, at the end of the day, okay, we know 28-3. to I told y'all, you can't really get rid of that. You can't just wash that off. So now 17 to nothing just happened. Now you got to play the team that you gave up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So if you lose this game, where is your confidence going to be as a Falcons player? And, and, oh, my goodness, if they lose this game with the Patriots coming back to win, that could crush them. Yeah. They really could. So I'll be interested to see how they come out and play this game because it's, it's getting to the point where they need to string some wins together anyway. Yeah. Right? But but regardless of that, I just think from a confidence standpoint, if this team loses again that way, yeah. loses by giving up a lead in the fourth quarter, at some point that's going to start erode their confidence and it's going to get way worse for them at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be some, that's definitely something to watch cuz I I don't know, it, it's not. I mean, you know, they should be a much more competitive team than they have been this season. And it's just not happening. Um, what do you think about, I have a question. What the hell happened to the Broncos last week? I, it seems like to me, just like on the surface, it's like, Oh, it's one of those surprise where, Hey, you just weren't ready and you got caught. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess it's probably not worth overthinking, but it was still a little surprising to see the defense not play quite as strongly as they had and let the giants kind of, dictate the game well um that was a problem and then i think they turned the football over uh yeah. a couple times too which was really the biggest problem um I, look we know that the giants are better than they have played on defense for sure yeah they've got more talent than they played uh jason pierre paul had a field day uh had three sacks, um, which was a big deal. But their offense, the offense, you would have thought would have fallen off because like the top three wide receivers were out, yeah, or something like that. But it might have. First of all, their head coach, the offensive guy who was supposed to get the head coaching job because he was supposed to take the offense to the next level, mm -hmm. had to hand off play calling duties finally. So that was one thing. And, yeah. and two, I think maybe not having those receivers in the game forced them to 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 go to a different kind of game plan anyway. Yeah. Which may actually suit them better. I mean, their offensive line was physical. Yeah. Uh they put um I mean, even Eric Flowers. 
Right. Uh, they they put in Phew. the guard from uh, the Chargers. What's his name? Play oh, for Fluker. Alabama. Fluker. Fluker. Fluker's mashing people, man. Yeah. Now he hasn't been a starter for them uh, consistently this season, but when he gets in there, he he, can, he he one thing he can do is run block. Yeah. He's gonna come off and and, and give it to you, and so uh, they got the running game going a little bit. And maybe, like I said, maybe it forced them into a game plan that's more suited to them anyway. Yeah. Even when they do have uh, big-time wide receivers in the game. And so uh, I think it was a confluence of events. I don't necessarily know that, uh, especially on defense, I don't know that the Broncos played down uh, to the Giants. I just think that the offense turned the football over. They couldn't block JPP. And and finally, the Giants kind of played the kind of game plan maybe they should have been playing the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a surprise because, like, you remember, that was like uh, like Collinsworth and Al Michaels actually broke the news that McAdoo had handed off the play calling. And McAdoo, to me, was always like, he's he reminds me of Mike Martz back in his St. Louis days where it was always like, my scheme is smarter than the players and the players just have to kind of bend to it and, and things are going to work out fine. And that doesn't always... Like you said earlier, it ain't rocket science out here. Right. And, and to a certain extent, I think McAdoo was just kind of, he was stuck in 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 believing in his system, even when all available evidence told him it wasn't working. Yeah. Remember like last year he was running the same personnel all the time or something like that? Yeah. I mean, they knew what was coming. Right. And, and you get so focused in like that, sometimes you don't see the big picture. Yeah. Um, it's always hard for a head coach to call plays on offense or defense. Yeah. Because you just get so locked in sometimes and you can't really see. You're so committed to what you believe in, it's hard to let go and say, well, maybe this ain't working. Yeah. Um, so, again, um, we'll see. You need to kind of see that offense perform well a few weeks in a row <laughs> before we pronounce them fixed. <laughs> but yeah. at least we saw that they could win playing a little bit differently on offense. So, uh, we'll see. I, I think the Broncos also, I have to say this, they, they're they just another team, too. Yeah. Uh, they got Trevor Simeon, who is okay at quarterback. Um, they have a dominant defense, but their offense is just okay. That's all they're ever going to be. Simeon doesn't put fear in anybody uh, on the other side of the football. And so uh, they're just another one of those two and three, three and two. You know, like I said, everybody's kind of scrunched there in the middle <laughs> yeah. this season. Yeah. So I, I'm just kind of giving up on trying to figure it out because as soon as you think, like I'm sure we all thought the Giants were going to lose that game. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I mean, there just aren't really very many dominant teams this year. Yeah. They're probably Philly, Philly is probably the closest we've come to it. And the Chiefs, but like I said, nobody really believes in the Chiefs because even when they get to the playoffs, the they Chiefs. don't seem to go for it. <laughs> right. I mean, you just, they're kind of stuck right now. And it seems like Alex Smith, let, let's, let's be honest, it's Alex Smith. <laughs> People don't believe in Alex Smith. Even yeah. when he plays well, everybody's like, oh, well, that's an anomaly. Yeah. So we have to see him play well more and, and really push the ball down the field more in big games and then maybe people will start believing in them but it's but it's alex smith right now people yeah. don't believe in him because of alex smith we'll see if he can shake their label if they can get to the playoffs this year yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> I wonder too a little bit because you know with the Steelers, I, I you know I was so mad at myself because I knew I thought to go back and change my pick from KC to Pittsburgh last week, and I think I might have that might have had I done that on Friday last week, I would have I would have at least finished five hundred last week, but I I did not, and I picked the Chiefs, but I wasn't all that surprised. Obviously, you know Pittsburgh swept the Chiefs last year in the regular season in the playoffs, but. I think that that seems like maybe to me that team is starting to kind of like get its act together. I mean, the defense hadn't been bad at all, but like the offense looks like it might be starting to figure things out. And I think if that happens, then they could really, I mean, they're, they're four and two. So it's not like they're, you know, they're one of the three record wise best teams in the AFC as it is, but it seems like that's sort of a sleeping giant kind of thing, ready to kind of, you know, kick in now. I think it's, it it comes down to Le'Veon Bell yeah. playing better and them feeding him the football more. Yeah. Uh, the more he gets the ball, the better the offense is. Even though you have a guy like Antonio Brown, it's going to help Antonio Brown get open too. Yeah. And I think they hadn't really been committed to that until lately. Um, and, and once they start handing him the football off, you see what he can do. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and of course he was doing, he was holding out or whatever. I mean, he wasn't technically holding out, but he wasn't with the team. So maybe some of that was on him too, getting into condition where, uh, he could handle that big of a load. But mm-hmm. the more they lean on him, the more I think, the better I think they'll play on offense. Always their defense plays well. Um, they're playing better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got, they dust it off. Uh, James Harrison last week, and, and 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 he made plays at the end of the game. Uh, he hadn't; he was inactive. Like mm-hmm. I think week or two before that, and man, he it didn't take him long <laughs> to make his presence felt when they did <laughs> throw him out there. Yeah. But then it, this dude Vince Williams, man, kind of came out of nowhere. They kept blitzing him, and he was destroying the Chiefs in the backfield, like he. He yeah. ran right over the running back. It was it was nasty. Yeah. And so they, they play, I think, if they can continue to get that kind of play out of him, uh, that's kind of a game changer for them. Yeah. Because he's a middle linebacker. He's not an outside guy. But he, he was lighting things up in the backfield last week. So if he can continue to play like that, man, that defense is really going to be a problem. And so uh, we'll see. I still am not sold on, on, on Big Ben. I know he was – kind of talking shit after the game like oh the gunslinger has it oh, yeah. you know, and I'm looking at the back. film like are you fucking kidding me right now <laughs> like seriously you, you, you're talking shit about this performance <laughs> interesting yeah. so uh, yeah, we'll see but I, <laughs> let's just say to me last week it wasn't like he had this big redemption game after he threw all those interceptions the previous week. No. He just played. They fed Le'Veon Bell, and Big Ben played just good enough for them to win. But that was definitely like some gunslinger. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I thought it was interesting, too, because in the midst of all that, you had that what it was about 24 hours before they shot it down, but the the rumor that Martavius Bryant wanted to be traded. And I wasn't, at first it was like, it was, it was one of those things. I mean, it was reported from credible people. It wasn't like a chaps kind of deal, but like, it was a, like, you know, they haven't done a good job getting the ball to Bryant and you could kind of see why he might be frustrated about that. And then obviously there's the history with him and Roldisberger anyway, but, um, 
it's you know still not there, and I'm still always a little surprised that that you know I, I guess now that they don't trade him to the if they don't trade him to the Golden State Warriors, like he said, but that he's not a little more involved in the the passing game that he's been. Juju Smith too. Well, uh, Juju Smith, for some reason, they're targeting him yeah. more than Martavis Bryant, which I think is absurd. Yeah, I'm watching the film, and Martavis Bryant is open. Yeah, but I think his his frustration probably isn't just the fact that he's not getting very many targets; is that some of the targets he's getting, he's wide open, and, and Big Ben is missing him. Yeah, old gunslinger. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. So uh, it's hard, especially when you're a, a deep ball guy and they're hardly throwing you deep balls. And when they do, half the time they're overthrowing you. I could see how he could be frustrated. But, you know, Martavis Bryant just got back on the field, right? Yeah. He just got back off suspension. So he, I'm sure somebody was like, hey, bro, this ain't the time. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. they did, cause, you know, did, I think he released his own statement after the game. Yeah. On Twitter, uh, saying that, no, I'm not asking for a trade, da 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 Right. Because that was definitely the wrong move. You just got back <laughs> yeah. to play. Then <laughs> they worked you right back into the offense. I think they should be using him more, absolutely. I think that they're hurting themselves by not doing so. But yeah. this just ain't the time for him to be like, hey, I'm mad. <laughs> Shit, just be mad about it then. <laughs> maybe, maybe he read uh, his breakout player column from from you this this I mean, that Yeah, I mean he might have. I mean every word too. It ain't my, look, if they were smart, they would definitely be throwing him the football more. But it's just it, it ain't his time to complain. Yeah. Put yeah. it that way. It's interesting. It's always interesting how much you know these players and stuff always say they don't bother reading the press, but then you. There's little things that come out, and you realize it's like, oh, they probably got a Google alert set up. They probably got a Twitter feed set up for the, uh, their name and all the and mentions and stuff like that. And how much they really do read those their own press clippings is kind of funny. Listen, <laughs> back when I played ball, every morning there would be newspapers all in the locker room. Yeah, several different, mostly the local stuff. And then you go, and in the bathroom, there'll be several newspapers in there. People, guys have left them. Everybody reads the oh, newspaper. Yeah. Everybody reads the sports section. Everybody watches Sports Center. Now everybody gets on Twitter and reads everything on that. Yeah. It's just a natural habit. Even if you're not looking for yourself, it's just like, hey, I just kind of want to know what's going on. Yeah. And so uh, it's pretty much 99.999% of the time if a guy says, or I don't watch this, or I don't read. Th- they're, they're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. There's nobody that's a fucking hermit sitting at home with no internet and no <laughs> uh, cable or none of that shit. Uh, you know, reading camping books and shit at home. They, they, yeah, you got plenty of time to to watch film and go over your playbook, and, and then still get online and, and get on. SB Nation or, or any one of these other sites and read stuff about yourself. And now it's even easier. Back then, wasn't nobody really Googling themselves. Now, I guess if I was playing, I'd probably be Googling myself every couple of days. Like, uh-huh. hey, let me see what they wrote about me today. Right? It's too easy. It's, it, it's so easy. And so guys are going to look, man. They have to. It's almost like you have to know what's being said. And sometimes you can use that as motivation when somebody's yeah. talking shit about you. Yeah. And sometimes you get a, a little too happy because people are saying nice things about you. Yeah. But if you think players, NFL players who play 
in front of all these fans every week don't want to know about themselves, you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, come on, who has to Google themselves every once in a while? I mean, I mean you got to. <laughs> Just normal people. You Look, people working in a cubicle right now Google themselves every once in a while. So, yeah. I mean, of course a player doing it. Absolutely. It's funny. My wife has the same name. As, she didn't change her last name. It has the same name as like a, like a New York Times reporter. And so every now and then she gets some angry email. <laughs> Somebody that's found people in the New York, found this wow. New York Times reporter. <laughs> that is not good. I told her to set up a Google alert, but every time she does it, it's always <laughs> the New York Times stuff. So... <laughs> um, so this week was, I think, a um, pretty important one in terms of what we've been talking about over the course of the season with the, the debate around players kneeling to protest police brutality and racial inequality and the debate then that's kind of come out of that with the president and the vice president attacking the players in the NFL for this. Um, I was a little, like, honestly, like, I, I, I give them some credit for this because I didn't think they would do it, and I'm, I was a little surprised that... And, like, again, I don't want to overpraise here either. That's not certainly not my intention. But, like, I was surprised that the league did not pass a rule to to, to make players stand for the national anthem. Well, I think that they recognized it it was going to be a a big problem if they tried to do that. First of all, it wouldn't have been collectively bargained. No. And the NFLPA had already made it very plain that, they were going to contend that you can't just make this rule yeah. without it being collectively bargained. Um, and then I think, look, you can give them credit for that. I'm not saying that you can't. But, I mean, it's really like just the smartest thing to do. It, it, it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah. Right? Because I think even people who want players to stand for the anthem – a lot of them understand that you're not supposed to force somebody to do that. Yeah. Right. It's just something fundamentally un-American about forcing somebody into an act of patriotism. Yeah. And so um, I think they recognize that at the end of the day, they were going to catch a lot more hell from making that rule than they will from not making it. Yeah. And, and maybe if they really, really, really want to, they can try to do it in the all season or something when all this has died down and players don't have the platform. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, yeah. I think that the whole, the whole meeting and all that stuff, I, I I'm, I'm giving them credit for that. Right. Yeah. I, I'm definitely not trying to, to withhold, the proper amount of credit for for them doing this because they didn't have to. The owners didn't necessarily have to try to listen to the players and their concerns or what have you. I just want everybody to recognize and understand that most of the stuff they did this week was easy. Yeah. It might have seemed hard, but it was easy comparatively to had they taken taken a different tact. Yeah. Like if they if they had come in there like Jerry Jones talking about we're going to force you to do this this or that, um, I really think that it, players at some point were going to get to a breaking point. Yeah. And way more players than I think people understand because I think there's this feeling that there's only the players who are pro- protesting 
that you have to worry about. Yeah. Those guys that are kneeling or holding their hands up, their, their fists up during the anthem. But I can promise you there's a lot more players in that locker room mm-hmm. who feel the same way but maybe don't feel compelled to protest. Yeah. But if it came down to it, if you're going to force a rule on them, I think that it would have been time for kind of a big major step forward one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It would have been kind of a, you know, a breaking point, like I said. So I think that the NFL, some cooler heads, specifically, I know uh, the 49ers owner seemed to be kind of leading the discussion a little bit. And obviously he was very, uh, I wouldn't say instrumental, but he, he, he was involved yeah. with Kaepernick last year in his protest. And he sat down and talked to, to Cap and, and, and tried to listen and understand what he was doing and came to the understanding of why he was doing it. And it made sense to him. Yeah. So he was kind of leading the discussion or what have you, and, and, and this cooler head has prevailed, and they, you know, pointed out that it would be stupid to try to kind of have this fight right now in the middle of the season when you don't really know how players are going to react. Yeah. Um, but the proof will be in the pudding as far as what happens next. Yeah. Um, this is great. Everybody was saying nice things afterward. Uh, players were saying good things about the owners. The owners were saying this was the best meeting they ever had. Yeah. And it sounds great. Everybody's holding hands and singing Kumbaya. And and, and I give them credit because the NFL also endorsed um, a police reform yeah. bill. So that was big. But at the end of the day, let's see the follow-through on this. Let's see. Uh, because Roger Goodell wouldn't answer uh, when when Jim Trotter asked him what the NFL might do if an individual owner threatened to bench or otherwise punish a player for yeah. kneeling, he wouldn't touch it. Nope. Talking about, you know, he didn't want to deal with hypotheticals. So let's see how this plays out long term. I, I, I want to give people credit, but at the same time, I'm not boo-boo the fool. I'm not going to sit up here <laughs> and act like I don't know that just a week or two ago, Y'all were saying everybody should stand, and and, and and it looked like this thing was really going to get ugly and act like just one meeting or two meetings is all of a sudden going to restore trust between the players and the owners. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to prejudge, and I do give them credit for, for what's been done so far, but I, I, like I said, what's been done so far, for the most part, has been easy. Yeah. It gets to the hard part. When players are still wanting to protest, Eric Reed said he's already he's he's already said he's con- going to continue kneeling. Bennett too. But when players continue to protest because police reform still hasn't happened, how many of these owners are still going to be receptive to what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 too, like I kind of get the sense, like I, the impression I took away from this was like I I think the NFL is like just committed to weathering out like, Hey, hurricane Trump is going to blow through and, and we'll be get back to being the NFL as we know it and not pick this fight over the anthem with the players instead of, you know, that the, pre- just because the president's tweeting about us, but 
It's, you know, they still like, you know, you didn't hear, you, you heard them talking. About, I mean, they promised to work more in the, the you, like you said, the criminal justice bill. They promised to do more in terms of like, you know, grant making and, and giving and, in, in, uh, for community work. Community, I quote the word community because that's, I think Roger Goodell said it 25 times or something like that in his press conference. Didn't say the word racism or, and I didn't, uh, you know, I'm not 100%, but I didn't hear him say police brutality either, but you know, at least there's a movement there for now. And, and we'll see if they, you know, if as long as it doesn't turn out to be like the, the, all the money they gave and then took away <laughs> from concussion research too. So. Right. And, and, and Kaepernick still wasn't at that meeting either, was he? Right. They, they did not formally uh, invite Cap. And so he felt like he didn't want to be there if he wasn't invited. Yeah. And I totally understand that um they're saying that hopefully he'll be invited to the follow-up meetings but that was that was one of the things that again gives you pause yeah like this is his protest he started the thing by himself eric reed joined him after he first started and then other guys joined but this is his deal yeah and he articulated from the start what he was protesting and why yeah and so for him not to be a part of that conversation and when you think about it, when, for owners to go out of their way, basically, to still, aside from uh, uh, the 49ers owner, to still kind of keep Cap's name out of their mouth, and Roger Goodell wasn't saying much about Cap either unless he was asked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's all fucked up. And, and, and yeah, he's filing the collusion uh, charge against them. I guess he's going through arbitration. And I, it sucks because... To me, that the, there's there's no way he plays another down in the NFL. No, right. Even if he wins, hands down, they can't force a team to sign him. No, and no team's ever gonna sign him after this. So I'm very, very uh, troubled by that. And anyway, I'm very sad because here's a guy that can obviously help several teams right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and and he's he's on the sideline because he he wanted to protest police police brutality. Yeah. And so uh I mean just that's the kind of thing that has me like hesitant to be like, oh look, they're they're they getting this together. They're getting yeah. this shit together. And then <laughs> um Roger Goodell evidently threw out there players going on a ride along with police <laughs> yeah or something like that is like the most condescending bullshit that you could say of when, when a guy's talking to you about police brutality yeah right the idea that a ride along is going to help it, it, it it's almost saying well you'll you'll see why they shoot unarmed people yeah if you just ride around with them for a little while yeah how fucking stupid is that? Yeah. What What is a ride along gonna do for anybody involved? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a PR stunt, I guess. Yeah, that's it. But but riding <laughs> first of all, you gotta understand something. A civilian ain't supposed to react the same way as a police officer. That's entirely the fucking point. Yeah. You would understand if a, a civilian who never had any training accidentally shot somebody that's why we don't give them badges and guns yeah. <laughs> we're supposed to reserve that 
for people who've actually been trained not to do that kind of shit. Yeah. So sending a civilian on a ride along or doing that bullshit or we're going to do the shooting range. You're making the fucking point, dumbass. Yeah. Of course, a civilian isn't supposed to know better, but you are. So what's your fucking excuse? Yeah. So you, you, you I mean. I mean, just when he said it, I just fucking, I read it and I, I literally like just, I felt like I was itching. Like I felt like I had hives because we, we continue to hear this kind of shit. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not as widespread as what about black on black crime yeah. or what about Chicago? But most black people tell you this is this is the song and dance we always get. Oh, we'll take them on a ride along. Or oh, we'll take them to do the shooting range and show them how hard it is. That's the point. Because we should hold police officers to a much higher standard than a civilian when it comes to killing our citizens. Mm-hmm. So that that's the kind of stuff. Like I said, that's the kind of thing that still has me like, still don't think they get it. I still, I'm not sure that they are even committed to this rather than, like you said, just trying to weather the storm until Trump gets tired of tweeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing it like they do their other, you know, like the cancer awareness or the military awareness or whatever, you know, the, we're going to sell some t-shirts for it and, 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 you know, make a, make a, donation of some sort to it and just kind of, you know, say, look at all the good we've done. You know what I mean? That just sort of the, the, we help fight cancer. It's like, well, do you really though? I mean, you know, if it'll be just kind of one, become one of them, which we've talked about before, just how it gets subsumed into another sort of NFL PR move. You know what I mean? Well, we are, they are what, what they have the, the week. Now they're supposed to have some kind of cause this week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they've already watered it down. They've already commercialized it. They've already monetized it. Yeah. And so again, you got to wonder, is this just what it's all about? Trying to move past this while maybe making a dollar doing so? Yeah. Or are they really committed? Do they really care about the things that these players are talking to them, yeah. them about? Because like I said, look, I told you, there's people that either are for police brutality or they don't care either way. Yeah. And they just, they don't want to come out and say that. And so they drape themselves in a the flag or, or use the, the dead bodies of our military yeah. to hide that fact. Yeah. But the proof is the fact that so many of them are uncomfortable even calling out police brutality. They're, they're scared to even say the words. Yeah. So how can these people be an honest partner if they either don't believe in it or they do, and they're totally fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that too, like, you know, if they're going to give players a plat, I mean, beyond just kneeling during the anthem, if they're going to give players a platform and let players, you know, that's always been, I mean, the NFL's not exactly known as a league that lets players be individuals. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, I mean, they don't even let them write shit on their cleats until you know they're doing in, in the designated weeks for it it's you know are the is the nfl going to help give eric reed a platform to speak out on the issue you know and, and do something beyond just you know make the make a make a have a feel-good meeting and send somebody on a ride along you know <laughs> i don't right, think they uh, will in the end you know 
it, it's hard to believe in the league. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It's hard to believe that the NFL, especially having actually heard from some of the owners like Jerry Jones, it's hard to believe that all of a sudden the owners have totally turned over a new leaf and they totally get it now. Yeah. And so they understand. And so now they're going to be supportive, especially again. Um, I think there was another quote from Roger Goodell saying something like, uh, there's only a half a dozen players protesting, which is more than that. And it's interesting that he would try to minimize it in yeah. that way. But he said it's only a half a dozen players or so protesting, and we hope to have that down to zero soon. Yeah. And I'm like, does he expect all of a sudden for police reform to just sweep the nation overnight? Yeah. And guys are going to stop standing? Is, is that what he's talking about? All of yeah. a sudden, cops who shoot unarmed black and brown people are going to get convicted Yeah. Uh, for, for murder? Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying, we just want to get this over with? Yeah. So, uh, you now I said last week, we, we were heading into week six. It's a lot of season left. Yep. And so this this is not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be something easy to sweep under the rug. No. You can keep kicking the can and say, well, we're going to meet with the players again next month. And then you look up and they don't have three meetings and the season's over with. Then what? Yeah. Because like I said, this is the prime opportunity. This is why I was talking about last week, the players kneeling as as a whole league. Because once it gets to after the Super Bowl, your platform as a football player is kind of gone until the next season starts. Yeah. Right? Nobody's really seeing you on TV. Uh, you, 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 nobody's really putting a microphone in, in your face every day. You have to kind of go out of your way to get some attention after the Super Bowl is over with. And so if you want to make a statement, you got to make it now. Yeah. Because if the, if, the, if the owners can run the clock out, if they can just get to February, then all of a sudden they can start burying this. They can start, they can put in that new rule about having to stand, or they could put in a new rule that was the old rule about staying into in, in the locker room for the anthem in the first place. They can do a bunch of different things kind of in silent where there ain't a whole bunch of cameras around. I mean, there ain't a whole bunch of cameras around with the owners' meetings and stuff, right? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, bam, here's the new rules. And you don't have any kind of way to even respond to them except maybe Twitter or social media or something like that. So I think, you know, you have to wonder if they're really just trying to run out the clock for the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think they're trying to they're trying to get the anthem thing to go away. And instead of with a rule to make them stand, they're trying to do, you know, it's the carrot versus they're trying to do with the carrot now instead of the stick. Right. Because let me give you a possibility, right? Okay. We have these meetings, season over with, come around the next meeting, next season, I'm sorry. And now the owners are like, oh, man, we did all this stuff for you. We supported the the police reform bill. We we did the, the meetings. And y'all still won't, won't stand for the anthem? Mm-hmm. That's an easy way to, to try to turn everybody against the players. And it, and, 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 and that word is going to come up again, uh, ungrateful. Yeah. Ungrateful. That, that's what a, a lot of people keep saying about these athletes who are protesting. They're ungrateful. As if somebody just handed them the money they make playing football or basketball or any other sport. Ungrateful. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Because, again, I'm not looking at 2017. I'm not even looking at 2015. I'm, like, I'm looking at the last 10, 20, 30 years of how the owners have operated. And I'm just, I'm just color me skeptical. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just not really convinced at this point that all of a sudden the owners have turned over a new leaf. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, it's, it's just a little bit too much for me. I mean, I, I mean, I can't believe that the that some billionaire old white men are just going to ride in on their white horse and save the country all at once. I, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm floored, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not really working out so well so far yeah so. exactly yeah. exactly Whew. man it's been a hell of a week and uh another good show on the books and i think we'll uh we'll see what we'll see if this week brings any more definition and clarity to the season um i'm not convinced it will but uh but we will see what happens when we reconvene next week steven can't wait <laughs>